You're listening to the official podcast of the nation. That's it. There's a new member of the Final Four Club, and they hail from Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock and Lubbock. Texas Tech can start packing for Omaha. Got the big man. Country pulls free. And touchdown. Red Raiders with a second to go. In a way. Yo, what's good, Red Raider Nation? Welcome to the nation's official podcast. My name is TJ Kern, alongside my co-host, as always, Blake Hartsfield. Blake, what is up, my guy? TJ, doing well. Excited to to be back here recording another podcast. It's been a uh, frustrating week, to say it nicely, for this basketball program. Um, But uh, ready to dive into some of this stuff. Yeah, it'll be fun, man. We're going to have a guest on this show today. I'm uh, really excited about that. And we're going to talk about this basketball team. And I know last week, Blake, we talked about is the sky falling? Uh, We weren't ready to jump ship yet. But another week has gone by. Two more losses. You're now 0-4 in the Big 12. And I'll ask you again, is the sky falling? TJ, we talked a little bit about it on the – post-game show last night after the Iowa State uh, blowout up in Ames. Um, I think it's safe to say at this point this is a lost season. Uh, At this point, it's about uh, program retention, player retention, uh, keeping some of these key young guys around going into next year and and kind of uh, minimizing the damage and the bleeding, so to speak. I completely agree with you there. And I'm excited to bring on our guest for the show this week. He is – Uh, the nation's new senior contributor and assistant editor, Emery Lida. Emery, welcome to the nation's official podcast, your first uh, part of this venture, and congrats on the new title, man. Yeah, thank you, TJ. I'm excited to be on this. I'm also excited to continue working with the nation. Um, Just kind of really want to say, like, I'm really excited for the opportunity to have bunch of good writers coming on as well with me. Um, so looking forward to seeing some of the work that they do. But certainly, I mean, it's been a rough basketball season so far, but I hope there's still some good stuff we can dive into. And I'm excited to get going today. Yeah, no doubt. You you wrote a really in-depth piece, which is why I wanted to bring you on, uh, about the team and their first 15 games. Um, and also, you know, we want to promote that as we are the nation's official podcast. You want to go to gunsupnation.com to get all your Red Raider content, and Emory is a big part of that. So, Emory, let's start off with uh, this team. They are 0-4 in conference play, and just your overall reaction to the way this team is playing right now. Yeah, I mean, I think first off, to start out 0-4, I think pretty much any Tech fan – wouldn't have believed that when the season first started. You were thinking this is a borderline top 25 team. There are some struggles in non-conference play, but it wasn't too bad. You get into conference play, you start out well against TCU, and then it just kind of snowballs on you. I mean, you lose that one in a close game. You lose Kansas in a close game. Bacho and Isaacs get hurt. Then against Oklahoma, it's a frustrating game. You just cannot quite pull it out in overtime. And then you go to Ames and just get destroyed by Iowa State. And so you're four games in. At this point, the tournament seems like a mountain to climb to just be able to get back on the bubble. And really, I think you just kind of have to reset expectations. Like this has been a frustrating season, no doubt. The offenses look stagnant throughout most of the last two games. We've seen the defense have way more lapses in conference play than I think any Tech fan is used to. 
And I really just think there's going to be a lot of soul searching that has to be done and quick if Tech wants to make anything of the season. Yeah, I think you touched on a nice point there um, about the tournament being basically gone. It's it's a follow-up of what I started the show off with. Um, just looking at the numbers, and then I'll let you dive into this a little bit more. But um, to me, they've got to get to at least eight conference wins, which means you got to win eight of your next 14 games. Um, it's probably a couple of more games before you get Fardaws. And, and the joke that we've had on this podcast is that he's going to come uh, riding in on a white horse to try to save this team. Um, but I just don't think it's very realistic to look at, at this team as a tournament team because nothing we've seen says that they can go win eight out of the next 14. And really, if you're going to get in, your best chance would be to get hot at the Big 12 tournament. But I don't think that's very likely either. Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at what Fardos has been able to do as a big, like coming off of an injury with the, or a significant foot injury is not going to be easy to do. So even when he comes back, say in two weeks, he's still going to have to take another three or four games to get into game shape to really be a positive contributor. And when that's the case, like you're basically talking about critical pivotal games. Cause like you mentioned, like, I think you said eight was a number. I think with Tech's non-conference schedule and not getting a single non-Q4 win, you're really looking at probably having to win nine, maybe 10 games to be on the right side of the bubble. So, I mean, it's a challenging thing to look at for sure. And the other thing is this Tech team has a ton of variance in it as well. Like there's a team, there's a lot of streaky shooters. You've got Kevin O'Banner who has been a lot better shooting at home than on the road. You've got Pop Isaacs, who's still a freshman, a very talented one at that, but still part of freshman years. And you've got Davion Harmon, who kind of goes game to game in terms of how productive he is. So like you're going to have to get those guys to be ultra consistent. And so far through the first 16 games of the season, there's nothing to really indicate that that's going to be the case. Yeah. Consistency is something that has been non-existent on this basketball team. I'd say the, the most consistent play that you've gotten is Pop Isaacs, and he's been really exciting. But I'm going to bring up a couple of things to you, Emery, and I just want to see which one you think is is the biggest problem on this team, okay? Because Blake and I have talked about it, um, these three things in in detail. The the defense not being what it we're accustomed to seeing, the lack of depth where you're only playing really six guys, or your biggest offseason um, – the thing you were, you were looking at this offseason was to improve the shooting, and they thought they did that, but this team can't shoot outside of pop. TJ, I think you're being kind before Emory jumps into that by not addressing the uh, the lack of being able to rebound or the consistent uh, – the one thing they are consistent at is turning the ball over. Yeah, I think – so I'm going to go by process elimination. I think the shooting – Coming into conference play, it looks pretty good. Like you're shooting 37% at one point. That's good. And even now, like 34.6% is average. Now with the roster that Tech has, they shouldn't be average from three. They should be closer to 37, 38% considering what you sacrifice on the defensive end. But I think the shooting, like that's something that's going to come and go. I think the offensive sets need to be better. You need to be getting more open looks for sure. But I also don't think that that's been the difference in you losing by 35 points to Iowa state. But what I do think really comes into play there is just straight up the defense. Like there's so many mental lapses. Like if I had one thing to kind of put on tape that was infuriating to watch against Iowa state, it had to have been the sheer amount of defensive lapses, just leaving guys open off the ball. And the thing is that this happened for games like against Kansas tech got lucky, I think to kind of, 
have mitigated damage in the second half because there were those missed lapses there. It's guys like Davion Harmon, Jalen Tyson, and Kevin O'Banner all have had significant amounts of lapses on the defensive end. And those are guys you can't afford to have having those lapses. You know Pop Isaacs is going to be undersized. You know Bacho has been kind of limited with illness and kind of the injuries. And so like the defensive end, you never expected this team to be like maybe the best in the country like last year. Like last year's tech team was built to be a generational defensive team. This team is not built to be that way. But still, like when you're starting five, the guys that you're having to heavily rely on because of the lack of depth, like you mentioned, TJ, like when they're not able to avoid costly defensive errors and you're basically giving up free points on that end, it is extremely difficult to overcome. And I think the lack of depth thing at the start of the season, it looked like it'd be more of just kind of a high variance. Like you have five really talented starters, but now, I mean, Jalen Tyson's in a massive funk, both from a shooting standpoint and from a decision-making, we know Kevin O'Banner is kind of better off as just a secondary guy and his assist to turnover in conference play has been dreadful. Davion Harmon has kind of fallen off a cliff defensively, which is not ideal at all. And then the other two guys, Pop and Bacho, I mean, both of them are extremely talented on either end of the court. But the problem is, A, they can't stay healthy, and B, they're your two youngest players in the starting lineup, or at least the least amount of experience. And that's just, that's bound to fail. So I think that at this point, the biggest issue is the defensive end, because offensively, like, you can live with some shooting variants. You know at some point those shots are going to come down at least a little bit more than they did in the Oklahoma and the Iowa State game. But man, the defensive side of things, that gets ugly. And if Tech can't fix that, I see no way that they're going to be able to be anywhere near as successful as we were hoping them to be. Emery, one of the things that TJ and I have talked about a lot, and you've referenced it here since you've been on here, is the lack of depth. Um, we do, we agree that the starting five is, is pretty solid. Yes, there's some inconsistencies there, but um, your depth was supposed to come from guys like Damarian Williams and Kerwin Walton and, and Elijah Fisher. Why do you think those three guys have struggled so much to, to fit into Mark Adams' system, uh, why they're getting almost no run on the floor, and why they haven't been able to contribute? Well, as brutal as this sounds, I think all three of them have pretty severe limitations that you could have talked about before the season, or that as Mark or that Mark Adams and his staff really could have recognized. And those are Walton's defense and playmaking just simply isn't good enough to justify him getting minutes if he's not hitting his shots. And through the first 15 games, he was shooting under 30%. And you just simply you can't have that from a guy that's a, really only a three-point shooter. Same thing kind of applies to Williams. Like, he's a good shooter, but for an undersized guy, his ball handling is not quite up to par. His defense looks good in the Oklahoma game, but it's kind of been hot and cold this season. And the one time he got the chance to really start when Jalen Tyson was injured, I think it was against Nickel State, he struggled mightily to hold onto the ball when they tried to using him as a ball handler. So I think that those two guys are kind of in and of self just – limited players that functionally like you can't really justify giving minutes to if they're not hitting their shots although I do think we're going to see more of them if what Mark Adams said post game about trying to sort of make significant changes is true and making sure that that blowout doesn't happen again but on Elijah Fisher's case he's a little bit different from them his issues mainly just been on the defensive end and it's just down to him kind of getting lost on the the team defense side of things I mean if you watch his three to four minute spurts in each game, you can pick out basically over half of his possessions. He's making some kind of massive error. And as much as we love to see the youth, we love the raw talent that Fisher has. You just can't really justify giving him minutes in these pivotal conference games when 
he's going to be doing that. Now, the problem is some of your established starters are doing the same thing now, but still, even with that, like throughout the season, Fisher's been doing that even against lesser opponents. And I just think that for Fisher, it's really all down the mental game because offensively, he's got to be able to develop the shot a little bit more because otherwise he can finish at the rim. He can slash well, but he can't shoot. He can't really facilitate. So for him to be able to get the minutes that I feel like a lot of tech fans expected him to get, he's got to be a bit better on the defensive end. Well, Emory, I think that's really good, and uh, we really appreciate your insight. The nation's new senior contributor and assistant editor, Emory Lida, here with us on the nation's official podcast. And before we let you go, I just want to let you out, out of here on this one. Is it – have we become too spoiled at Texas Tech? Do you think the expectations were just way too high for this team? Or – and then to, to follow that up, where do we go from here at 0-4 for the rest of the year? So for to answer the sort of spoiled part of things, I don't think it's too spoiled to expect your team to not lose by 35 points in Ames to Iowa State. I think that you can expect more from that as a basketball team. Now, the first three Big 12 games, yeah, you kept it close, and Tech looked decent in all three of those games at various points. But as a fan base, like, yes, Tech has been extremely successful, but they have the talent on this roster to be – a successful team. And yes, they're young. Yes, there's going to be lumps with that. But still, like expecting them to lose by 30 with the amount of talent on this roster and the amount of success Tech has had in the recent years, it's just, it's ludicrous. And fans are rightfully upset about it. Players should be upset about it. The coaches should be upset about it. I don't think that it's right to say that Tech is has been spoiled by previous success and that this should be the expectation. Um With that being said, where do you go from here? I think that it really just boils down to how can you resurrect the season? I think that Mark Adams has a lot on his hands when it comes to the roster. There's some flaws, be it the lack of depth, kind of each player having their own individual weaknesses that collectively have been hard to overcome, the lack of length, and just guys kind of being uncomfortable in the roles that they're playing. Like Those are going to be things that you're not going to be able to easily fix. And the short rotation – really lowers the margin fair. Like last year, you could run eight or nine guys. If one player wasn't working on a given night, you could instantly sub him out, play him 15, 20 minutes, and you'll be just fine. This year, you don't really have that luxury. So in the short term, I think it's going to take a lot of rotation management. Maybe you see more Lamar Washington. Maybe you see Papa Isaacs really take more command of the offense. I've talked to some people that really want to see him take that next step in terms of just being the pure offensive, initi- offensive initiator for Texas Tech. And I think that in the short run, that's the case. In the long long run, how Mark Adams finishes out the season, what we see behind the scenes, what we hear about players, do they transfer out after this year? If we see some of these freshmen transfer out, some of the transfers that you got leave, then Mark, Mark Adams might be on borrowed time. As crazy as that sounds to say, and as much as people would not have expected that coming into the season, I really do think he's not coaching for his job this season. I think that's a little bit ridiculous to expect, but certainly – if he can't get this thing right and if the culture is suffering as a result of it, if we're seeing guys leave, if we're seeing the morale around the program going downhill, then it might be a situation where you go into next year with Mark Adams really having to prove himself. He wants to continue being the coach of Texas Tech. Well, Emory, man, we really appreciate it. Once again, the nation's new senior contributor and assistant editor, and we appreciate you coming on the show. Congrats on the new title. Everybody get out there, go to gunsupnation.com, check out his fine work. And man, we appreciate you coming on and maybe we can have you on again soon sometime. 
Yeah, for sure. Thank you, TJ. Thank you, Blake. And I'm excited to continue on. Again, like TJ mentioned, check out what I've been writing at gunsupnation.com. Really excited to start the work there and check out some of our other contributors as well, because we're really getting the ball rolling with some more content, both with basketball, football, other sports. Excited to get going there. And yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely, bud, man. Have a good night, okay? Yep. Good night. And there he goes, Blake. That's Emery Lida, uh, new senior contributor and assistant editor for The Nation. This is The Nation's official podcast. So why not do a little cross-promotion there? Get out to the website. Get some good Texas Tech content. And, Blake, what are you, uh, what are you thinking of uh, what Emery had to say there? I think Emory makes a lot of good points. A lot of it is uh, very similar to some of the things that you and I have been talking about for the last couple of weeks on both podcasts and post games after, after this basketball team finishes playing. Uh, but one thing that, that he touched on at the very end there, TJ, and I'm, I'm uh, it's something that I was coming in today and, and wanting to talk about was culture. Uh, we talk a lot on this podcast about culture. We, we went over it. I don't know how many times we were going through the football season with Joe McGuire and how he was able to change the culture um, but when I think about the culture of this basketball program over the last five to six years, it's it's defense, it's toughness, it's grit, it's physicality, it's discipline. And that does not s- describe what we have seen from this basketball team so far this year. And again, I don't know what the reason for that is. Is it, is it just that they missed on all these guys and um, that came in this season after, after the roster turnover and they're not willing to buy into that culture? Is there a problem with the coaching staff and some of the assistants and being able to help instill that culture that we've become accustomed to? But college sports is so much about momentum and culture, and, and I feel like that's one of the biggest weaknesses of this team. Yeah, it, it's definitely not – the Texas Tech basketball team we've become accustomed to seeing. That's the reason I asked about the expectations. Have we kind of gotten spoiled? Um, I don't know. I mean, like we've talked about before, reaching the Sweet 16 is a damn hard thing to do year in and year out. Um, Last year's team being put together on the fly, the fact that they gelled so well, maybe maybe they did kind of spoil us into thinking that, hey, we're just going to remake this thing on the fly year in and year out and be able to put a good product out on the floor. Well, TJ, about expectations, look, expecting the Sweet 16 every single year is probably unrealistic, right? Even if you want to be a quote-unquote new blood, um, there are very few programs across the country who can come into the season every year and say, we, if we don't make the Sweet 16, this is a failure. That's your Kansases, your Dukes, your North Carolinas, Kentucky's et cetera, which, Oh, by the way, Kentucky is, has got a young team as well this year. And, and they don't look very good either, um, which is going to lead into a point that I'm about to make here in a second. But I think a reasonable expectation, if you want to be a quote unquote new blood is, is to make the tournament is to field a competitive roster is to be an upper half big 12 team year in year out. And yes, I know how tough this conference is, but um, unfortunately that's just not the case this year. The, the guys that they missed on in the portal, the youth on this team, um, and as we start looking towards the, the, the next stage and, and next step for this program, we, we started getting into it last night about player retention and, and who can you keep around. And, and look, the obvious names are, are there. You want to keep Pop Isaacs. You want to keep Lamar Washington. I think even though he struggled, you want to keep Jalen Tyson just because the talent's there. I'd love to keep Daniel Bacho. Um, I would prefer Daniel Bacho be your first big off the bench as opposed to your starting center next year. Um, and, and you probably want to keep a guy like Elijah Fisher if he wants to hang around. Um, but other than that, I think that they need to, to 
go through that metamorphosis that this that is then the new college basketball of roster transformation. Um, and I think this team needs to get older. Adams needs to go back to his style that he went to last year where he recruited a bunch of uh, super seniors and, and experienced guys. And um, I think that's the recipe for success moving forward for this program to, to have it, the expectation of, hey, we're going to make the tournament. If we win it, if we get hot in March at the right time, we can win a couple games and make a sweet 16, but we're going to make the tournament every year. We're going to be a top half big 12 team and we're going to put a competitive product on the floor. And there's still a lot of time in this season. And is it enough time to get it turned around? I don't know. I personally am going to come on record and say, I don't think so. However, the team that you played and got blown out by last night names, the Iowa State Cyclones are a perfect example of how quickly you can turn things around in the Big 12. Look at what they did just two years ago, dead last in the Big 12, and now they're ranked in the top 15 uh, after making a tournament run last year. I mean, you can turn things around quickly. TJ, they lost their best player to Texas. So, yeah, I mean, that, that coach up there is doing a great job, and, and to your point – in the new era of college basketball with the transfer portal and, and more or less, let's just call it what it is. It's free agency every April. Um, you, you can turn things around quickly. You can get a completely new team if you want to. Um, it's just a matter of going out and identifying the right guys for your system. And that's what I don't think that this coaching staff did a very good job of a guy like Kerwin Walton. Great shooter. Yeah. I know that we've been trying to improve the offense around here for, for several years, but, the guy's lost on the defensive end. He doesn't want to put forth the effort on the defensive end. That doesn't fit the culture. Your culture is defense, toughness, grit, um, fight, want, all of those all those things that we've come to associate with Texas Tech basketball. Agreed. And this is the nation's official podcast. I am TJ. That is Blake. And Blake, we got some breaking news coming across the uh, the wire here for the from the nation on Twitter as uh, I don't know if you saw yesterday, but the football team lost uh, Emmett Jones, wide receiver coach, to in a lateral move to the University of Oklahoma. So before I let you know what the breaking news is, what were your thoughts on uh, Emmett Jones taking a lateral move and going to OU and how it might affect this football team? So that's not the breaking news. No, I've got breaking news. But Okay, well, we'll start with, with Coach Jones. Uh, look, this is – I think that's a replaceable uh, coach. He's a position coach. Um, from what I understand, he was a good recruiter, but he's not your lead recruiter on offense by any means. Um, the only thing that scares me, and I've seen some smoke in the Twitterverse and, and I've heard some things, is that Jerron Bradley was pretty shocked by this and that he's now, quote-unquote, contemplating his future. McGuire needs to do everything he can to keep that kid. That's a star in the making, and we cannot lose that guy to Oklahoma uh, if he was to follow the coach. I completely agree. And Xavier White's another one who uh, on, on Twitter made some uh, questionable uh, tweets talking about a decision needed to be made, but he came out today and said, guns up. The breaking news is that we've replaced coach Emmett Jones with Baylor's running back coach, Justin Juice Johnston. He will be the new wide receivers coach and assistant head coach for your Texas tech red Raiders. So uh, that's first reported by at football scoop. Dustin Juice Johnson is your new wide receivers coach coming from Baylor. So, you know, Joey McGuire knows him well. 
Yeah, I'm going to be honest, CJ. I have no idea who that is. Um, I have never heard of him before, um, but it is a guy from the Baylor staff. So obviously, McGuire has a relationship there. He trusts him. This guy's probably um, somebody who can recruit the state of Texas because that's been McGuire's uh, biggest point of emphasis since he came in and took the Texas Tech job. Um, so I imagine that uh, things will continue to roll down the track in that in that regard. Well, not only that, what stands out to me is he must be somebody that has some clout because he's not just the wide receivers coach. He's also the assistant head coach. Really? Was that, yes. uh, is that also part of the breaking news? Yeah. He's wide receivers coach and the assistant head coach. Okay. Well, again, I, in coach McGuire, we trust, right? He's, he's done a great job in year one, as we've talked about extensively and and he's earned the, the trust of not only you and I, but of, of red Raider nation and, um, if, if McGuire wants this guy, then I'm all for it. I think so as well. Joey McGuire wants a guy and goes out and gets him. I'm all for it too. So a little basketball, uh, 0-4, not, not exactly how we drew it up in the Big 12 play. Got UT coming up, uh, but some breaking uh, football news for you on the nation's official podcast. Yeah, uh, unexpected. Um, obviously, breaking news is breaking news, and um, happy that that position was filled quickly. Now let's just focus the attention on keeping uh, Drawn Bradley around here. I'm with you on Bradley. That guy's got to stay. So uh, he's he's the playmaker that that I've been dreaming of. I mean, so. TJ six five four four speed receivers don't grow on trees. So yeah, that's that's talent that you can't teach. Yeah, and is uh, there anything else you got on that brain of yours before we get out of here? That about wraps it up, TJ. Looking forward to another post game uh, this this Saturday after uh, the Red Raiders go down and play Texas and Austin. Um, we're both hoping here uh, for a different result than what we saw a lot yesterday in Iowa State. Look, I just want to be competitive. Don't go get blown out again back to back games. Come back, rally the troops, go play a competitive game down in Austin. If you can steal the game, everybody loves to beat Texas. Um, but at least go be competitive. No doubt about it. I mean, go play like you did against Kansas. Play like you did against TCU. Play like you did against Oklahoma. Play a competitive game. At least have a shot, uh, you know, in, in the second half. Keep it around 10 points, and maybe you can steal the thing. But, Blake, that's about all I've got for this week's episode. So, you know how we like to end it. Wreck them. Wreck them. We'll talk to you guys soon here on the nation's official podcast with TJ and Blake.